Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. I'm fascinated with Mark, uh, his rendition of the same account, Luke chapter 8, verse 27, as we deal with the same man, the demon-possessed man. Luke chapter 8 says, when he stepped ashore, when Jesus got out of the boat and stepped ashore, the demon recognized the vibration. Because he was anointed, the demon in the region assigned to the region cried out and ran to Jesus in worship. Luke also adds, he's very precise, that the man wore no clothes. or He hadn't worn clothes in a while, nor had the man lived in a house. He lived in the tombs. The tomb uh, here is significant to the text. This is the place where we read out of Mark chapter 5 and also Luke. In chapter 8, this is the place, or this place is where three worlds collided. Three worlds clashed with each other. We see heaven meeting earth, that is Jesus meeting in earthland. He meets a man from the earth. And there's a purpose for Jesus meeting this man, heaven meeting earth. And the word of the Lord became flesh and dwelled among us. Flesh. Flesh dwelled among us. God in flesh. Heaven meets earth at the tombs. And then secondly, the underworld is in the man. Or demonic spirits are inside of him. You read it in the text. When Jesus asked him his name, he said, we are legion." My name is Legion for we are many, many uh, demons, a thousand demons packed into this man. Demonic spirits are actually spoiled and cast out by the master. I had a, uh, I spent some time in the country called Egypt, which which is in the northwest portion of the continent of Africa. Over two decades ago, it was in uh, 1999 actually, I spent uh, several days there. I had a chance to explore the Sinai Peninsula and ride on the top to the top of Mount Sinai. Uh, A portion of that was done on a camel and then uh, had a chance to pray there. Very tiring uh, climb and then walked all the way down. It took... uh, several hours to come down and I looked over and saw a lady from the island of Jamaica wearing church shoes and if you know what I mean by that the shoes were white they were worn and tattered from the uh, walk down but she was so happy just to be able to follow the same path that Moses followed and I looked at that lady's face I still see the lines in her face and I really appreciate the fact that she um, took the, the, the trip and I had a chance to see the price that people pay just to uh, 
for the pilgrimage to follow the patriarchs to explore what Jesus did. While I was in Cairo of Egypt, I had a chance to visit Cairo, a very unusual city. Uh, it is uh, completely different. And it was a completely different experience for me. Uh, the message from those who live in tombs there uh, is unique. And they have a message. In the city of Cairo, people live in graveyards. Sometimes I feel like, uh, this is what they say, sometimes I feel like we are both dead, but just not buried yet. Because they live in tombs. They said, I feel like we're dead, but just not buried yet. Many are intentionally born in the tomb, in the graveyards. And they're beginning to feel a little bit uncomfortable. This generation is changing. For centuries this has happened. But the generation now is beginning to feel uncomfortable because they're watching their kids grow up in the same tombs. And fathers are beginning to say, this isn't right. We need to change this tendency. Though our ancestors did it, this can't be good for children. Even now, when their children grow up, get married, or happen to have a divorce, or get a divorce, the children move back home to live in tombs. Isn't it amazing how we go back to the default state? Like uh, whatever you were raised in, when, when you're challenged, you, even though it's dysfunctional, you begin to go back to it. Even though you know it doesn't bring life, you know no one can trust it. You know how painful it is, but we, we tend to go back to it. The very thing that caused us the most pain, we start playing with it and teasing it. Let me help you. If you ever escape the tomb, never go back. Almost everything in the story that I read to you out of Mark chapter 5 is a little strange. They went across the lake of the region of the Gerasians. When Jesus got out of the boat, the man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. Notice anymore, not even with a chain. He had often broke the chains off of his hands and his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue the man. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, you would hear him crying, cutting himself with rocks. When he saw Jesus, he ran to him, screaming at the top of his voice, what have I to do with you, demon speaking, son of the most high God? Please, don't come to torment me. There are several things. I think I told you three worlds collided. Heaven deals with earth. Jesus, the son of man, God on earth in human form, came, met a man, and that man was full of demons. Three worlds collide. And there should be a collision with our dysfunction, our humanness, 
and the Most High God. If you want to be delivered and get rid of the demonic uh, forces that are controlling your life, you have to have an encounter with God. If you're taking notes, there are four points that I want to make out of this passage. The man comes to Jesus in a dreadful state. A dreadful state. It's disturbing. A disturbing condition. I think I shared with you out of Luke chapter 8, he was even naked. Hadn't lived in a home. He chose to live in tombs. This man grew stronger while in the tomb. Notice the word, verse 5, they went across the lake to uh, Gerasians, to the land of the Gerasians, the region. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man met him from the tombs. Verse number 3 said, the man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him. Look at the word, any more. It seems to me that the man was growing stronger with his demonic abilities. The longer he stayed in the tombs, the more he got stronger in his demonic influence. And the more we stay around dead things, it kind of strengthens us to be more dysfunctional. That's why the scripture says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. When God delivers you, you can't belly dance with the world. You got to come out of the dead place. You can't compromise it. And I just want to challenge the people of God who are straddling the fence right now. Got the left foot in and they got the right foot out and got the left foot in and they shake it all about. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. You got to get your left foot and your right foot on one side of the fence. And you need to stand and move away from the barrier. We, we're on the periphery too much. Walking around fences when there's a whole nother life in the center of the field. This man comes to Jesus, Jesus in a dreadful, disturbing condition. Living in tombs. And he grew stronger in his demonic strength while he was there. The Bible says he could not be Tamed, he's untamable, unsubduable. Now I want you to see that. What you got to see, there are people who grow stronger while they're in a dead place. But what are you drawing your powers from? Oh, I'm strong. I, I've got the power. What power? Where are you drawing your strength from? This scripture actually says you can draw demonic strength from dead experiences. Whew, Jesus. You can draw demonic powers to sustain you to some degree and to break chains that will amaze the people around you. But the source is demonic. I don't want to just see what you're able to break. And how many people you can influence who's giving you the power to do so. Where are you drawing your strength from? You're not reading. You're not studying. You're not around the people of God. You're isolated. And you say you're being blessed. Let me tell you something. There's something about following Jesus. And there is something about not following Jesus. And if you know you're not living for God and doing the right things. And you say you're growing stronger. I would challenge the source of your strength. 
Here we see a demonic strength that comes from the tombs. And no one can tame him anymore. Not even with chains. The second point I want to make. And you'll read it in the text, especially if you read down. I don't have time to go with it, but I want you to read uh, Mark chapter 5, the entire chapter. And then go over to Luke chapter 8 and read it again. Starting at verse 27. The demon spirit said to him, if you're going to cast us out, there's a group, there's a, there's a herd of swine there. Let us go into the swine. And Jesus said, go. And he delivers the man. These spirits that were in the man that drew strength from the dead, the dead place or the tombs could not handle being disembodied. They have to be inside of something. And they asked Jesus, if you're going to cast us out, please send us forth and allow us to possess the swine. That was somebody's herd. That was somebody's somebody's property that was uh, someone's market that was someone's funds that went into the, the sea and drowned themselves it was bad for business it was bad for business and, 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 and you got to get this in your soul Jesus granted them leave to go into the swine and I'm not here to preach that you shouldn't eat barbecue ribs and baby backs what I am saying to you is that the spirit would live in anything it just doesn't want to be set free in the world. It wants to live inside of something. And you need to say, I'm not going to let anything coming from the tomb live inside of me. The third thing that I want to share with you is that the town people, if you read it there, they want to cast Jesus out of the city because he was bad for business. And there are times, uh, especially in the Catholic Catholic. Uh, capitalistic society when business don't go right we think God is not pleased but you'll begin to understand there's sometimes where God will mess up your business to get your mind right so the swine went into the sea no one they're floating in the sea they're floating the flesh is floating no one can benefit from the swine and when they saw their business go out they kicked Jesus out instead of straightening out the business Maybe you need to expand beyond swine. Where are the sheep? In Israel, you got to understand something about Israel. In Israel now, uh, uh, sheep and lambs and goats. The swine were considered to be unclean. So why are they there anyway? And you'll be surprised when we start growing, we'll tap into anything. Oh, we need to do business with China and we need to do business with Russia. And we need as long as the money is coming in. But you don't understand what you're also pumping into the world. And America is going to have to pay a great price for doing business with people just to say we're, we're, we're bigger and better and the stock market is rising there's some non-negotiables and we should not be doing business with everybody but I know no one is going to listen to me but if you read the text there sometimes Jesus will mess up your business plan because he wants to get your attention so they kick the church out they kick the church out the city they kick the man out of the city that delivered the man from demon spirits think it not strange that the world come against you when you're doing the right thing Think it not strange when they shut some doors, when they tell you we don't want you to be a part of this club. And it should happen if you're following Jesus. 
Number four. After the man was delivered, the man says, Lord, let me follow you. And Jesus said, no. Jesus actually prohibits the man from being a disciple. You know what he told him to do? I need you to go home to your family. And I need you to go back into the house that you hadn't been in. And I need you to put on some clothes. And I need you to start acting sensible. You will be better. You will better serve me by staying in the region and regaining your family and structuring some stuff that you lost when you moved to the dead spot. The black hole. You've been partying all your life. You haven't been serious for 40 years. And I want you to go home and show the people that you're clothing in your right mind. When have we got a message to go home? When is the last time you heard this? I know you don't like the condition of the home, but God is sending you back to it because you went out of your home and got tied up with some stuff. It even messed up your business and it's demonically influenced. And you talked about how powerful you were while you were doing that and feel like you're weak when you go home. But you'll show God and your community how powerful you are by going back home and making it work at home. Jesus prohibited the man from following him to distant lands because he wanted them to take care of his own house. And there's some work we need to do right in our own homes. Remember, before you go out, reach out to the world. You need to reach up to God and then reach in to your own family and in the church. Make sure we're strengthening each other before we start going out there to do great exploits. So I want to encourage you again, please bury the dead thing. Matthew 27, verse 6 and 7 says, and the chief priest took the silver pieces that Judas used to betray the Lord. That's the price of betrayal, 30 pieces of silver. And when Judas became very sorrowful or penitent, For his sin of betrayal, he took the money back to the chief priest and threw it at their feet. And they said, it is not lawful for us to take blood money and mix it with the treasury in the temple. No, look at these self-righteous folk. You, You take the money, you give it to him, give it to Judas so he can betray Jesus. But when he brings it back to you because he's penitent, you tell him and each other, we can't mix blood money into the treasure as if that's going to make you holy. But look at how they function and how they flow. And some people feel like that. Uh, They feel the same way that, uh, you know, maybe they can buy themselves into uh, purgatory or maybe if they sow a seed or deal with the poor, maybe God will be more pleased with them and nothing can wash away sin only but the blood of Jesus. And sometimes you just got to bury the dead thing. The Bible says in verse 7, they took counsel and brought with them, brought with them the 30 pieces of silver, the potter's field, to bury, to bury, to bury strangers in it. I want you to think about this. 
The 30 pieces of silver that Judas used or was paid to portray Jesus was actually used by the chief priests to purchase what they call a potter's field. Crack pots are there. That's where they would throw crack pots. We can't use it anymore. They throw it in this potter's field. And to a place, a segment of it was used to bury strangers. Bury the dead thing. It's very important to bury the dead. Even the money that was used to portray Jesus was used in portion to bury the dead. Why is that in the scripture? Because God wants you and I to bury the dead thing. It seems odd among the seven transit, trend, uh, traditional corporate works or corporal works of mercy. And there are seven of them, the traditional corporate works or corporal works of mercy. And here they are. They parallel many things in the scripture. Feeding the hungry and clothing the naked. Here they are. To feed the hungry is a corporal work. It's a good thing when we feed the hungry, when we give drink to the thirsty. When we clothe the naked, the demonic man was, was unclothed. He was streaking and he needed clothes on. And when we do that in our community, we're doing a great work. It's called corporal works of mercy. What about shelter for the homeless? It looks like our HCI, we're moving into a dimension where we've always wanted to have a mercy house. And God is affording us an ability to work with a mercy house. Uh, our ministry is sponsoring this thing and helping to work it out. And uh, there are several people, they were here on Sunday, that's living in the mercy house. And we're clothing to some degree the homeless. Visit also the sick and visit the imprisoned. We're doing that through our congregational care. We call it inspirational care and our prison ministry. But also the bury the dead. That's a corporal work of mercy. To just bury the dead. And who are the beneficiaries of these acts of mercy? Well, we know that if you feed the hungry, the hungry is the beneficiary of an act of mercy. When you feed the hungry, the hungry benefits. The thirsty would benefit if you give them drink. The naked would benefit if you give them clothes. The homeless benefits if you give them housing. The sick benefits if they're healed. And the imprisoned benefit when you visit them. But does the dead benefit when you bury them? Absolutely not. The dead would know. A peanut shell does not know if you throw it in a pile or if you keep it in your pocket. It has no way of record. It doesn't, there's no way the peanut shell uh, benefits when you bury it because it doesn't know. And this body doesn't know if it's buried. So who does it benefit? It benefits those whom mercy is shown. Clearly benefits the ones that are living. When you bury the dead, you benefit everybody that's alive. When you bury the dead, you benefit the little boy that's crying at the tomb. 
When you bury the dead, you benefit the little girl. I know they're crying, but if you keep the dead out, it will contaminate them. When you bury the dead, you benefit humanity. Lest disease break out chronically. When you bury the dead, it is an act of mercy. And so your old life is dead life. Bury it. Why are we still reminiscing about what we used to do after tasting and seeing that the Lord is good? I want to encourage you to bury. Don't tell me what you used to do. That, that means nothing. It means nothing to God. It's like having glory and then glory departs. It's what we call Ichabob. The Lord has departed. Why would you glorify? Why would you glorify a time when there is no glory? And can't seem to praise God for the here and the now. And we've got to, live, we've got to glance at hindsight. And we've got to look forward to for, foresight. And we've got to have internal light, which is insight. But then we need full sight. We need to be able to look all around us and make sure that we have a panoramic view. So we can move forward with some wisdom. And I know the old life was good at one time, but once you taste and see that the Lord is good, bury the old dead life. Maybe you were the point guard. Maybe you led Syracuse to a championship, but bury the former glory. And maybe you had business and money was flowing and you did everything you need to do. And the money caused you to fall in complacency. And then from complacency, you fell in the sin. And when you fell in the sin, you lost it all because he has to bring judgment. And because there was judgment and bondage, you cried out to the Lord. And when you cried out to God according to his word and his promise, he came down and delivered you. And once he delivered you, you started getting some money. He started prospering you. And then once he prospered you, you forgot about God and fell into complacency again and then once there's complacency you begin to compromise I don't need church I, I don't have to go this Sunday I think I'll just slide out I think I'll ride out I think I'll ride out at 2 in the morning and you keep doing that until you fall back into something that's going to cause you to create another cycle in your life I'm preaching to somebody what about guilt and shame that's old it needs to be buried Notice the demoniac in the tomb. The demoniac in the tomb was naked and strong. And some of us, we like to maximize the, naked, the strength of our dysfunction. But let me tell you, your backside is showing. And God wants you covered and strong. And anytime the devil is there, he's always going to create a situation for shame. He will not let you take full glory. Guilt and shame will follow them all of the days of their life as they stay out of the house of the Lord forever. So bury the guilt and the shame. Come back and stand in the presence of the almighty God. Bury failures. Bury failures. A good man can fall seven times, but because he's a good man, he's going to rise up again. That's Bible. So get back up again and bury the fact that you failed. Maybe you failed at a marriage. Maybe you failed in school. But get back up again. Bury the failure. 
bury discouragement, bury disparagement, that self-discouragement, and bury the unforgiving and selfish ridicule of yourself. Selfish ridicule of yourself, talking yourself out of moving into the next level or, or moving to the next level or moving to the next dimension. Bury disparagement. Now, if I said you're not worth it, you will get mad and throw rocks at me. But if you said to yourself, I'm not worth it, you want me to be sympathetic. Actually, your words rehearsed in your own mind does more damage than any word someone, someone else can say. Self-disparagement is big time among believers and unbelievers alike. There are people who are looking at their portfolio, looking at where they are in life, and plummeting into depression and talking themselves out of the promise. Bury disparagement. Bury your worst memories. I know it's a part of your soul, but go ahead and give it its funeral. Put your memories in a box, go out deep in the woods and bury it. Get rid of it. And the way you can bury your memories is to create new ones. And that's what I love about Jesus. You know, he's like uh, uh, God is light, right? And if he's light, he's moving very fast. And, and because he's moving very fast, you got to redeem the time and get with him to keep up with him. And if you get with Jesus, he's moving so fast. He's whoosh, moving so fast. You don't have time to fix on what. You don't have time to worry about what you pass or what pass you. Because there's new worlds and there's new things that he's creating for you. And if you keep up with Jesus, you won't remember everything thing that you used to do that's why if you get with him read the word he's so dynamic as he begins to work with your spirit he helps you helps you to create new memories I remember in my youth being hurt uh, really hurt uh, by a, a, a person that I trust and after they hurt me they offered me a business deal and I was so furious and hurt that I refused to do the business deal. But in actuality, I missed a move. Because of my pain and my hurt, I said, I'm not even going to look at it. I should have moved my hurt aside and at least explored it. Because there was redemption in the business. I know that sounds strange. Uh, I was offered uh, uh, three homes and I was offered some stuff when we first moved into this region after buying this building. But because I didn't like the way I was handled, I wouldn't even look at it. But I wish I owned that property now. And I believe God allowed me to go through that so I can tell some of you who have your emotions in the way of business deals and transactions that God may be trying to get to you, but you didn't bury the negative emotion that went with it. God may be trying to get something to you at a cheaper price. And God may be trying to get something to you that you can use 10 years from now. And God may be trying to get something to you that when it's all said and done, it will make up for the disparagement and the issue that you went through. Because you buried it and you pick up, glory to God, the new opportunity. Let me help you. It's hard to say goodbye to yesterday. 
Man, I'm preaching glory to God. But if you want, and I'll tell, I'll take with me the memories. Sometimes you got to let the memories go. Don't take it. You got to let it go because it will block the new move. Notice when the demoniac came to Jesus, he left the tomb. It was automatic. And if you ever get with Jesus, you can't live in the tomb anymore. Even before he delivered him, he came out of the tomb and fell down at his feet to worship him. It is hard to cohabit in a dead spot when Jesus is on the scene. You have to be intentionally doing that. You have to make up your mind. I ain't ready to give up my flesh. <laughs> because when Jesus shows up, there's something about it. even a demon say, I can't hang out in both spots. I can't. If he's here, I got to get to him. Man, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Oh, I feel comfortable going out to the club. That means Jesus ain't around. <laughs> get him on the scene. You come out the club. So bury the dead. It goes to the heart of what we're doing. Not only on resurrection day and beyond, but every single day of our lives. Thank you, Lord. Level up in resurrection authority in Christ. Level up in resurrection power. Philippians 3, 8 through 10 says, Ye doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung or rubbish, that I may win, that I may win Christ. Now Paul says, when I put the winning of Christ next to all of my accomplishments, I'd rather have him and all of the things the world has to offer. And I wonder, do we ever put the two on a sheet of paper and say, do I want this and that, new car, new house, stimulus checks, money, all this stuff, prestige, Neiman Marcus, Walmart, Macy's, all of this stuff, new dinner, dinners, uh, uh, spending times, Las Vegas, whatever it is, I love all that, Jesus you can wait a little longer. If we put it on a sheet of paper, I wonder how many of us would say, I'm willing to give, count all of this but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of my Lord, for whom I've already lost all of these things, that I may win Christ, that I may win him. In other words, I'm in a contest. My faith is being tested. I'm at war with my faith. Fear is trying to get me. I need to make sure I'm fueling it and not fueling fears, fueling faith and not fueling my problems, fueling my faith and not fueling the, the thing that I want to do in this life. Actually, if I seek him first, he'll give me all that stuff. But it should be in this order. Verse 9, and to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. Whew. And to be found in him. How can I be found in him when I've never been lost or received loss for him? If you're going to win his presence, you've got to lose the dead thing. If you want to win him, you've got to lose the dead building. 
There are people who want to live in a building that has no electricity, it has no plumbing. It does have a covering, but that's a type of tomb. The building, if it's going to be alive, needs electricity. It needs to be able to flush. And the building should make a difference in the region. Thank you, Lord. If you want to be found in Christ, you got to learn how to escape the dead thing. Paul said to be found in him, verse 9, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, which is of religion, which is of pride and prestige, but it had nothing to do with faith in Christ. I want to win the righteousness of God by faith, which is, which is of God by faith. In verse 10, that I may know him. If you want to be found in him and then go deeper to even know him intimately and in the power of his resurrection, we also have to deal with the fellowship of his suffering by walking away from the dead thing. Anytime you want to go to another level in God, there's something that he would ask for us to cut loose. I know there's a lot of people preaching right now. You can go to the next level. Oh, this is your season. And they're taking all of their baggage into the season. All of the dead stuff, stuff that ain't never worked, same tendencies, same outlook on life, same disposition, same memories, same problems, never dealt with it properly. And we're trying to take all of that into a new moment when all you got to do is cast it on him and let him care for you. The hardest thing to do is to walk away from a loved one that you've buried. In a cemetery. Believe me, I've done it many times. And in actuality, um, actually what I do is if I have to bury someone, I'm the first one to leave now. It's not because I just want to get out of there. But I'm saying to family members, we have to move on. And it's the hardest thing to do because I want to hang around. But I realize that we're going to heal. I have to be first partaker and you'll see me walking toward my car first. And I'm saying to the family, we can't live here forever. You cannot be found in him if you've never been found in him. You can never be found in him if you've never been found by him. And so we got to let him find us. And what, what happens when he comes to a dead spot in your life, usually the Holy Spirit, if you really see Jesus there, the Holy Spirit will help you to kind of get out of it, moving toward him. I don't know of anybody that's got a legion of demons, and if the legion of demons came out of the tombs to follow him, whatever's holding you fast, you can do the same thing. When you're found in him, you will know him like never before. And here are several things that I want to give to you as you know him. Know him in strength. Know him in strength. Not in weakness. There are a lot of people like to say I'm weak and I need God to give me strength. But why, why, not, why, why not try to discover him in the strength of his presence? The kind of strength that goes with you. The kind of strength that's there when you feel weak, the strength of God rises up. So know him 
in strength. Know him in confidence. Not in shyness or bashfulness. Let's know him in confidence. Not in shyness or bashfulness. Let's know him in confidence. I'm not even talking about uh, a sh- uh, the kind of sh- uh, a confidence that's uh, slightly proudful. I'm talking about just self-confidence in the fact that God raised you up. You can look a person in the eyes. You can articulate what you feel because Christ has done something on the inside of you. Even if your family tree is broken down or things are going on around you that you just don't like, you can still honor the Lord in confidence. One of my favorite passages is out of Philippians 1 and verse 6. And it says, being confident. That's how it starts off. Being confident of this very thing. That he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until that day. He's working in you right now. He's working faithfully in you. Being confident of this. The God that helped you to get started. That brought you out of that dead zone. That brought you out of Uh, the cemetery glory to God that brought you out of Cairo as it relates to dead things and brought you into a new spot a new place Uh, green pastures is the God that was that that is working in you being confident of this thing he who has begun the work is faithful to perform it against that day or until that day of Jesus Christ until he's fully grown in you I live by that word. I want you to do the same thing. Being confident, not in your own strength. Remember, strength came to the demoniac. Who's fueling your strength? Who's fueling your arrogance? Who's fueling your focus? Who's doing it? Is God doing it? Are you confident that God is working it out? Are you living in a dead zone? Strengthen while there. With superhuman strength to be mean and mad and nasty. It's not even you. The older you get, the more pliable you should be. But the older we get, if you don't have Jesus in your life, the devil will strengthen his resolve to make you less like Christ than to be more like him. I just don't like people. I get tired. Well, that certainly ain't God. I see some grandparents taking care of grandkids. I know they tire, but for some reason, the love for the child makes them extend more. So if you have never gone there, how can you tell me you tired? You may not have love. Man, I'm preaching better than you saying amen. How can a grandparent have more love for parents than parents do? So it is possible. The older we get, the more we should be able to control these things. Rise up in the strength and in the confidence of the Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Thank God for my son. He usually takes his son home at night because you can't drop him off me and you start partying. That ain't working. Thank God I didn't drop him off with anybody so I can go out. I got to go out tonight. No. Okay, this is my responsibility. I got to go home and spend time with this boy. I got to give him some carry. I got to get him some carry lotion. I got to rub him down myself. I got to wipe that butt myself. And I need to spank him. I don't need you spanking him because you may not do like I would do. 
I need to be there. You'll never treat him like I did. And that's why I'm glad he, he learned that. And now he does the same with his son. Living with me, you have 15 more. If your son lived with me, you have 15 more having parties. But when you got to get up with him and take him to the hospital when he's sick, it'll make you start thinking about that seed that you're spreading. Well, I'll preach anyway. Leave the dead things alone. Stop just having pleasure. The pleasure's dead because it has no good end result. Let God show you the power of delayed gratification. Not only should we rise up and know him in strength and know him in confidence, but can we know him in ability? Can we ever step into the ability that's beyond human ability, into miraculous ability or miraculous faculties or fruit of the spirit or gifts of the spirit? God has so much more for the church. If every one of us have a gift designed and uh, uh, implanted in you by the Holy Ghost, that gift uh, needs to grow. And if it ever grows to full maturity, the church will just continue to, to, to prosper in every area. And what happens with the church is that when people look at the gift that, that like the pastor have and the pastor's, oh, he preaching good. He really, I like that. Or oh, I don't like it. I don't like pastoring. I don't like preaching. I want to do something. Whatever it is, why not raise up the gift that's in you? What are you doing with yours? Glory to God. And if you're in the house of God, you should pour that gift connected with the person that's next to you. And when we all get our gifts working together synergistically, will change the world for Jesus. So let's be strong in the Lord as it relates to abilities, but miraculous abilities, miraculous faculties. God wants to employ them this year. He wants to take you, not as an individual, but you in us into a new dimension. A lot of people are hearing the, it's a beautiful masquerade of the enemy, pulling people out of their, out of their connecting, connection in the church, telling them it's your season. They're holding you back, and, and they're trying to stop you. If they don't celebrate you, you need to move. And you're listening to these seducing spirits when it's not about an individual anyway. And if you're not attracting the masses, you should get with someone who is. Let your abilities yield itself to the purpose of God. Stop listening to these prophets that have no clue about the local church. If I came to their church and prophesied what they prophesied on the road, they would kick me out of the meeting. In other words, if I, the prophet who's prophesying to you, if I showed up at his church and start telling the members, see, God wants to take you out of here. God, see, they tried to hold you back. But God, and I start preaching like that in the church that the prophet has, he would tell me you can't come back. But you listen to that. He won't even preach it in his own church or even allow me to come in and do it. He will say that's a shyster doing so. <laughs> but because you got a word from the Lord, you're listening to that when you should really submit your gifts to the Lord. And stick with God's plan for your life. Think about that. Somebody coming to your house and telling your teenagers, even if they're grown and in college, you, God's going to take you out. He's got something bigger for you prophesying to them while you're trying to raise them up and you know how immature they are you know they don't clean their room but he's telling them they're going to own a company 
And you got to pastor that. You got to pastor your child and tell, calm them down. Listen, God, I do believe God is going to do things. But see, you not ever, you never ever supported me because they got a word from somebody who stopped by the house. But go to their house and say, I'm going to tell your children that God got something better for them. Watch what they do. You got to get out of here. You can't even spend the night. <laughs> Y'all understand now? Do you understand now? Put yourself in the same shoes and you'll understand now. But Bishop, you got an attitude tonight. I'm pushing this church to a new dimension. Then the fourth thing you need to understand, not only should you get in to be strong in the Lord in strength and in confidence and in ability, but also in influence. Be careful with influence. But God really wants us to be more influential. He really does. He wants us to influence people to righteousness. Influence is possibly something I'm, I need to minister on more in the next 12 months for our people but but really god doesn't want you to have this if you're immature uh, an influence is really given to people who are mature enough to handle it i remember uh years ago one of my uh close uh members here a young man our first youth pastor pastor page uh came to me and uh I, at the time uh, I was having our church to do fast, like three-day fast. And uh, it wasn't a complete fast, but we were fasting till 6 p.m. Uh, in the morning. And uh, I believe those times were powerful. It pushed us to where we are today. A little wiser now, and we deal with our fast a little different. So when we do a corporate fast here, we have guidelines now. But there were really no guidelines that the people were moving with me and uh, they believed that if I felt led to fast, they were just following me. Some people were working out in the sun, just like I did when I was a teenager. And we went on three-day fast. We'll break it at six. But as a teenager, I would go on fast with our church and fast while working, cutting grass in the summertime all day without drinking. In the name of the Lord, that's just not wise at all. But no one would step up and tell the leader this is absolutely insane. And I just, I'm so grateful that no child fell of heat stroke. But there were times where I couldn't see. To even say it would be sacrilegious if I said this doesn't make sense. They'd say he's rebellious. That's the kind of culture we had. And as a pastor, I grew up, I wasn't that tight, but I believe that we should fast. I didn't say you couldn't drink water. I said if you could drink, make sure you're, make sure you're flushing your body. And like, but we're going to fast till 6 uh, p.m. every day, especially when we went through it. And the fast would last for three days, and you could break it at 6 p.m. every day. And I got a call around 4.30 from this young man who was a member of the church, uh, our first youth pastor. And he said to me, he says... I have a medical condition and I'm shaking and I check myself and my blood sugar is around 40. And what should I do? And when I heard, heard it, I knew that influence was there. That if I said, you can make it. You can stretch it out. Don't, don't. let God use you. Uh, being confident of this very thing. I believe he would have tried it. 
And the Lord just really showed me the power of influence. I felt I was at my mom's house when he called me. I slid out of my chair on my knees. I was on my knees. I said, no, break it. Break it quick. Get something in your body. No, do it now. You have done nothing wrong with the Lord. And follow your diabetic diet. Thank you, Lord. If you're immature and people start gravitating to you, what kind of counsel would you give them? God bless them with 100,000. How much would you take? If God blessed them with resources, how much would you go after? If they put their lives on the line, could you show some grace and mercy? We need mature people with influence. Help me, Jesus. Have you ever held a man's life in your hands? Have you ever stood a post? Hmm? Well, you wouldn't know what that's like, would you? Influence is powerful. Make sure you're submitted to God. Have the heart of God when he gives you influence. Have influence. You can rally groups of people. You can say things. We're going to lose it unless we take it by force. And they'll storm the capital. Then we say we have nothing to do with it. But in actuality, you had everything to do with it because you used influence at these rallies with these lies. And no church leader would say it's enough. It's going to lead to bloodshed. I told you all sitting here, unless we tone down the rhetoric, you're going to see blood in the streets. It was even worse than that. They stormed the Capitol building. Not only should we be strong or know him in strength and confidence, ability and influence, but also in effectiveness. 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 And that's one of the things that I believe God wants us to be real strong in today. To know him in effectiveness. Jesus prayed for a man that he would receive his sight. And when he opened his eyes, the Bible says, he said... People looked like trees and he prayed again. He was effective in his prayer until the man was completely healed. Some of us are, um, are slipshod. In other words, as long as they can see something, we walk away. But what God wants us to do is take the people that we have influence over to full sight. If you're discipling someone, you don't give up on them because... They're difficult. You stick with them until they step into what we call stability. When you raise a child, you don't give up on them because they got a good grade once. You stick with them until they graduate and even beyond. Effectiveness. Thank you, Lord. And last but not least, we need to grow. We need to know him in growth, expansion, and increase. I put that last because a lot of people want the increase, the expansion, and the growth. But that is all a byproduct of being strong and confident and having ability, miraculous faculties and influence and effectiveness. 
And if that is the case, you will grow and expand and increase beyond measure. And your dreams will be fulfilled. And you and your families will be blessed. Thank you, God. So bury the dead and walk in resurrection power. Level up in resurrection power. Let God, after leaving the dead spot, let God bless you in such a way that you're able to level up. If you find yourself in a dead situation, come out the rut and level up. Let the resurrection power of God take you there. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Nick, would you be, do me a favor? There's a, I call it an alabaster box, but it looked like a Mickey Mouse on the front. Could you let me see that, please? I'm holding in my hand, a, I call it an alabaster box. It's like a little Mickey Mouse, little box. And it was given to me by a young girl the other day uh, on a, a Sunday morning, about 10 days ago. And to be honest with you, when she walked up to me, I thought she was asking me for money. She pulled this out of her little purse and she opened it up. And I thought she was saying, could you drop some money in here? She saw the offering being taken up, you know, because some parents, they like to send their kids to me, especially with cookies and things like that every year. I'll do 30 and 40 of them. You get mad when it's one. <laughs> for years, I, I get 30 requests. And for some years, I would answer every one because I don't want a kid to think that you're not worth it. That's how far... My patience and faith grows. And before you start criticizing somebody, walk in their moccasins. Walk in their moccasins. Walk with me for a day and listen to the calls and the things that I deal with and to the disrespect of people for leaders and preachers and then the honor that's received as well. And all of that, all of that makes the person that you see today. This little girl came to me and she gave me this, opened it up. I said, honey, I'm not, I'm going to put something in your box but I don't give little girls money. I don't even like for them to ask men for money. That's not the practice. I don't think it's a good practice. And I don't think any man should give little girls money without their parents knowing it. So bring your mommy to me. So she brought her grandmother to me. And I was telling her, actually instructing. And her grandmama said, she's not asking for money. She wants to give it. A whole perspective changed. You want to give your money? There's a few dollar bills in here and some quarters. She says, I want to give it to God. The thing touched me so deep. I, I said, look at the faith of this girl. There's no overseer. There's nobody telling her she has to. Her grandmother come from the island of Jamaica. She certainly wasn't telling her, you better give something to God. This came from her soul. Let's discern it. Did that come from the power of the demonic? 
was it prompted by the Holy Spirit? I don't believe a demon would tell a little girl to give something to God. And if he spoke to that little girl, you better believe he's speaking to adults. You better believe he's speaking to adults. But if you're holding on to dead things, you won't hear that. You only hear of what you want to receive and where you want to go and what you want to do. Not give me first. Give me a cake first. How many vessels do you have? I'll keep pouring if you have empty vessels. Nick, could you put it back? I put it on the altar. I don't care about the decorum. I don't care what it looks like on a camera shot. To me, what that little girl did and saying I'm willing to follow God, though I don't know him, like Samuel hearing the voice of God, but not really knowing the voice. But I perceive that God is dealing with the child. And if he's dealing with our children, you better believe he's speaking to the nation. A trillion, a trillion dollars given out in stimulus. I wonder how many of it came to the church. I, I want you to think about that. I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about people out in the street. I'm talking about believers. 1,400 out of nowhere. He gives seed to sores. I don't have no money. Well, here's 1,400. And you didn't really need it because your job never left. I'm going to take a portion of that. And give God some. The Lord let me know when he touched that girl's heart. That he's touching thousands of people. One of the ways you can get out of the dead place. The dead zone. Is to rise up and hear the Lord. Do something sacrificial. Let him bless you. What that is, that's between you and God. Like it was for this little girl. I'm going to talk about her for the rest of my ministry. I'm going to talk about the girl. No name. Young. Totally absent of the knowledge of how things work. But in the midst of all of this. She gave not only her money. She gave the container that the money's in. Money she was saving. I want to give this to God. I say, what do you want for the Lord? She says, I want to play the piano. I said, lift up your hands. And I smacked her hand. Pow, pow. God, a man of God, prayed for me that I would play music. And you gave me the gift to play. Now I slap these hands. Crown her with the ability to play the piano. Let her, let her learn theory. And by ear, in Jesus' name. And let the mixture of both make her a minstrel in the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. And to many young people in the name of the Lord, I pray this prayer over your life. Even as David learned to play in his teenage years, I pray that minstrels would come out of this prayer with a desire to worship the Lord.
And I decree that. That hundreds of young people. Will want to sing praise to God. And play music for God. In Jesus name. Amen. Glory to God. It has been a real joy to share the word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.